You are listening to the Praise FM podcast with Pastor Randy Caswell, Joshua DeNoyer, and Dave Davenport. We would like to invite you to embark with us on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is our prayer that you grow in a greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, today's program. Hey everyone, this is uh, Pastor Randy, and we're glad that you've joined us today for our podcast. We're walking the roads of Rome, and we're going through the book of Romans and studying today, and so we're glad that you're joining us. Right now, we're in the time of when, we. this is going to be broadcast at a later date, but right now we're at the time when the America is doing the social uh, distancing, and I got to tell you what, we were ahead of the curve. We have Josh who is down in Sheldon, Illinois. That's pretty far away. That's more than the six feet. We have Dave that's in uh, Tennessee. And I mean, that's almost like a whole nother country. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that is a, I mean, you cross the Mason-Dixon line. It's a different world down there. It I mean, it's unbelievable. And so, hey guys, we're glad that you joined us today, Dave and Josh. Hey, how's it, it going? It's another country. It's the South, brother. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> the land of college football i'm telling you what I, I lived in the southwest i loved it sec rules i i agree with you text giga maggies all right if you're if you're watching and listening to this you can tell we've not been together for about three weeks and uh, so we are we, catching up today we have you can tell josh hasn't lived in the sec conference anywhere no 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 <laughs> No, but we, we're going to get down to business, aren't we, guys? <laughs> hang, hang on a second, Josh. Hang on a second. I got to tell you, see, Dave, since I'm a Texas Aggie fan, I lived in Aggie land. Dave, I haven't got to tell you, he hasn't got to tell you who his team, but then again, his college hasn't really had a team in a long time. So, but Dave, what is the college that you root for? Um, they were the 1991 national champion, or 1999 national champions. University of Tennessee. <laughs> there we go. Have a more recent national champion than the Aggies. Yeah, but we have a bigger stadium, I think, right now. I think oh, we have you, a bigger you, stadium. You have like number two stadium in the country, I think. Oh yeah, number two I, or three. I, I was just telling my wife I'd like to go back to Aggie Land just to see what it's all changed. They said it's exploded there. But now I can kick it back to you, Josh. You see, can, Josh, for our here. southern listeners, they're going to understand exactly what we're bantering about. Josh <laughs> is from <laughs> Illinois, and he's wondering, well, what's this about college football and college come, baseball? You can come down here, and I'll take you to the ball walk, man, and salute <laughs> to the hill. <laughs> I lived in Kansas for a while, but when I was younger, so I know a little bit about Southwest, Midwest stuff. But That's college football, college football, college stuff—I don't really watch college stuff. But uh, anyway, anyway, we are gonna get—we're gonna get going, aren't we, guys? We're gonna—we're yeah. gonna—we're gonna put this aside. We banter back and forth. We haven't seen each other for about three weeks, but uh, we're gonna go to the Book of Romans. If you have a Bible handy. Go ahead and open it up to the book of Romans chapter one. We're going to go ahead there. I'm going to be reading from the modern English version today. Uh, if you have a Bible that is different from that, it may be a little bit different, maybe somewhat the same. We're going to be looking at verses eight following down to verse 17 today. All right, so let's go and read that. All right. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, 
whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means, now at least I might find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, I am that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be strengthened. This is so that you so that I may be encouraged through together with you by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now I would not have you unaware, brothers, that I often intended to come to you, but I but I was prevented until now, that I might have a harvest among you also, even as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you and to you in Rome. Okay, verse, uh, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation among, salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from the faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So that is the the scripture reading we're going to be living we're going to be reading about today. Some things that I find very interesting about this particular uh, scripture. We've talked about it in the last video, but I want to bring it out again just as a refresher, if we may. Um, this part where he says, for God is God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. It is important, I think, that as believers uh, and as people that, number one, if you're if, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you need to you need to come before Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive your for, forgive you of your sin and go to God and 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 trust him with your life and do your best to live for him as as a Christian, as a as a believer in Jesus. But if you are a believer, I think it's important that we pray for one another. I, th I think it's important that that we lift each other up before God and we ask God to minister to us and touch us because, you know, the body of Christ, you know, we, we, we talked about social distancing at the beginning of the program. I think it's important that as we are social distancing each other, that we lift one another up in prayer. We, we think about one another. We ask God to touch us and bless us and minister to us, but touch and bless also those that we haven't seen. You know, Randy and Dave and I haven't seen each other for a couple, three weeks. We talk per per periodically on the phone, but it's, it's something different when we can pray for one another, when we can ask God to touch and minister to, e to, our, to our friends and, and things like that. We are, we're, we're loving one another. We're growing in unity when we do that. That's a pretty cool thing because um, even during this time, um, I've been receiving even texts and phone calls from members of our church just asking how Lori and I are doing. And the neatest part is I'm also receiving as a pastor, I'm receiving reports from our people. So I checked into this person, I checked into that person. Can I tell you, as a pastor, I'm very proud of those folks that are reaching out and uh, checking into our basically making sure that our, our church family is doing well during this time. And that's, I think, one of the benefits of being part of the body of Christ, being connected to the body. Uh, Jesus said that, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul would, later would teach in the book of Ephesians that we've been baptized into the body of Christ. And that means we actually care about each other 
and we actually move in that compassion and that love uh, is flowing through us. It's a very good thing. And and that's where when Paul said there that he said, I, I, later he said, I, I want to go to Rome and I want to meet you. Paul had yet to meet these people, but he's going to impart into them um, the spiritual gifts. And he said, it's a, uh, I have in the, the King James, or, I'm sorry, the NIV, it says uh, verse 12, that is uh, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, we spoke about that on our last podcast about being mutually encouraged. But the times that we're at right now, uh, when they're saying the social distancing, you know, be six or seven feet away from people. And it makes you kind of, you know, kind of kind of want to kind of the, they're trying to want you to avoid everyone as much as possible, not because of people's sake, but because of actual safety of the virus getting through. Now, the other part is, is uh, the fact that here. Paul is saying here that we're being mutually encouraged. I think the church will actually be a blessing by reaching out to each other right now. This could be a time that instead of pushing back, we can actually go forward. The other part is I don't think we should walk in fear. I think we should be wise as serpents, but also be harmless as doves uh, to not be afraid and uh, at this time. And so that's what Paul was talking that he said, I want to give the spiritual gifts and I want to encourage you. So he was going to be encouraged by the Roman church too, by his interaction with them. And I think today, today's day and age where we're at with the social distancing thing, I mean, what we're doing right now, this podcast, this this video, this is encouraging to me. I know as it's encouraging to both of you. And 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 as church people, as believers, as as friends of others in church. It is so important now in today's day and age to just call and, and talk to somebody. I've been praying. I've, I've really been praying that through all of this, that the church of Jesus Christ would be more unified than it ever has in a very long time. Because as we see that day approaching of, of the, you know, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a unified body. He's coming back for a unified uh, church. He's not coming back for, for churches split because we're Baptist or we're Pentecostal or we're Protestant or we're more Catholic or whatever the case. He's coming back for people that are unified. And I'm just praying that through all of this, all of those divisions would fall away and we would be unified as one body of Christ working together to, to further the gospel. Josh, Josh, you know the assemblies of God are going first. Everyone knows that. Come on now. Well, can I can I say can I say on a on a on a on a humorous note? So I don't want I don't want to offend anybody. But did you know that the that the Baptists will be the first in heaven? You knew that, right? Oh, I know where you're going here. The dead in Christ, eh? The dead in Christ will rise first, yeah. but. But but that is not but 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 that is that's totally humorous. All I I have friends that are Baptist joke. friends, <laughs> and it's just a joke. So please don't be offended by that. But uh, but but God is God is good, and and God is uh, ministering to us and blessing His church. And I think it's important that that as Pentecostals and Baptists and Catholics and Methodists, and all, it's it's time to put aside those thing those signs over the doors, and it's time to come together as one body of Christ. And I and I and I think as a as as a group as a body of Christ, I think it is important that we we put aside those things and, and just love on one another as Christ loved the church. Let me go to verse number 14. In verse number 14, it says, I am obligated both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks, to the both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. 
when I was looking at the modern English version, Paul writes in verse 14, I am a I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians. And and so in other words, uh, I don't know what your version has on that, Dave. Do you have that version of what it says in, in verse number 14? It says, <clears throat> it says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God, uh, God chose the foolish things to confound the wise. He talks about that uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, in several places in Corinthians, as a matter of fact. Okay, let me read those for you. I have it in this NIV. It says here, verse number 27, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. That so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Amen. And this is a, that is our righteousness, holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let uh, him who boasts, boast in the Lord. What's in chapter 2? Where is it at in chapter 2? 14. Okay, let me read that. And then I'll let you comment after that. So, uh, um, 14. The man without the spirit does not accept these things to come from the spirit of God. They are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually, they are spiritually discerned. Um, The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's for you do not know the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That's 2, 14, 15 and 16. Yeah. Well, and even if you go back, even if you go back to, uh, Verse 12, 2.12. Um, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. As a natural man, all these things are foolishness to me. I went 52 years. And I mean, I studied, I studied the scriptures. I, I, I began to look at them earnestly at 12, 13 years old. And, uh, there were periods in my life where I sought God, but I could never find the power of God. And, uh, so eventually I came to the point where I wasn't sure if there was a God. I was bitter towards God. I was angry towards God. Uh, if there was a God, um, like I've said, I'm, I've never claimed to be an atheist. I always claim to be an agnostic. But um, without the Spirit, we don't understand these things. Uh, when when Jesus tells the parable of the sower, he explains that that you know that he tells them things in in parables. You know, I, I hear a lot of I've heard so many sermons on how God uses parables to explain things, or Jesus used parables to explain things. That's not what the Old Testament says. He te- it says he's taught in parables but so they wouldn't understand. You know, the natural man doesn't understand these things because they're hidden. And, I mean, I, I, used, I used the Bible. I knew it very well and could use it and twist it to confuse the people. And that was my 
that was one of the things that I like to do is try to confuse people and and tell them, you know, because I, I most people I found weren't very deep, and it was easy to confuse them, and uh, they would start questioning stuff. What you're trying to say is is what I'm understanding, just to make sure I'm understanding clearly, is the fact that when Paul says here that um, he said not many of you were by human standards were of influence and not many by noble birth. And I would have willing to say and not even uh, talk about not many of you were very wise and and, you know, I mean, educated, learned and intelligent. But then he says. Am I understanding that this gospel it was did not come to you by that came by revelation of God and came by the knowledge of God? Is that what basically what you're trying to say? Yeah, it, it only comes by revelation. I can't understand this book. I mean, I studied it, but you know, here's the thing: I I have I carry many mental Ill, illness diagnoses, and uh, you know, and, and it's to the it's to the glory of God that He took me. I mean, I have the I have the used to what used to be the diagnosis of um, uh, borderline personality disorder. So I could go off very quickly, and I mean, I used to go off five, six, seven, eight times a day, just explode uh, uncontrollably, and you know. But that's no longer part of me. I mean, it, it it's just gone. That's what God did. You know, when we go back to Ezekiel, you know, he he. Gave me a new heart, and he put his spirit in me. Amen. But, you know, he took the foolish things of the of the world. You know, I, I have a lot of friends. You know, I, I share these things openly to, to encourage people that struggle with mental illness. Because when I talk about my mental illness, it, sh it shines the light of God in my heart. But it also shows people that there's hope. They don't have to live in that the misery and the destruction and be in be overwhelmed. That there is hope. And Jesus, a true relationship with Jesus, overcomes this. You know, I I I, I don't struggle with this like I used to. And he he uh, he he took that and you know and people who who knew me they they start to see and understand that god changes people but it's the foolish things of the world because you know i mean i was the kind of guy you wouldn't even want to be around and yet here i am today a changed man and that's the those are the foolish things of the world i mean he takes those people that i mean it's not that i was uneducated had difficulty learning or anything but there's people out there that have learning difficulties guess what Christ will take care of that. You know, we used Amen. to use the Bible in America, and we didn't have, we didn't see all the, the craziness. You know, that was a textbook. They used it for text for reading. And, you know, the scriptures were getting into the minds of people because that's what, that's what he changes. He changes our mind. He changes our inner man. And the scriptures do mm -hmm. that, and they bring us to him. And, you know, as, if you, we've taken that out of schools, we see our society going further and further away from God. And when you were talking about uh, about this here, uh, I know Dave and I've, I've known him for a couple of years now. And one of the things I, I noticed about Dave, he has a 
he won't tell you this, but I mean, I will. Uh, he's he's very well studied and he's very uh, he's intellectually smart. I can believe when he said he'd say the scriptures to twist people up before he was uh, redeemed and before he was uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and what I'm saying is he had he has an intellect there that 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 you can just see. And the thing is, is uh, but it came by the revelation of knowing Jesus Christ. So simple things like that. Uh, there's no way that you could change without knowing knowing the revelation of Jesus. The the change wasn't in this intelligence. The change was in in coming to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and walking in that revelation. That's why when when Paul writes in First Corinthians here, he says in verse number thirteen, this this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spirit spiritual world words the man without the spirit does not accept these things that come from the spirit of god and they are foolish to him and he cannot understand them you can have a phd in education you can have a doctorate degree and not understand the word of god and have it radically transform and change your life i mean it's not about the highness of your degrees or the status of your intellectual abilities or the status of your business uh, savvy there are people that are in business very successful business but they don't believe the gospel nor had they had the transformation that takes place when jesus christ comes into their life and the perfect example of that is what we've covered in the introduction to this book was Paul. Paul knew the law, but he didn't know God. He knew the law and he had a zeal for God. But until Jesus Christ revealed himself to to Paul, he didn't know him. He couldn't know him. It's only through revelation we come to know him. And Paul knew the scripture. He knew it better than anybody. Like you said, he had a PhD in the law. He was... He was the up and coming, uh, you know, he was young. He was beyond everybody. He was beyond his years, beyond everybody. He was in line to be in the Sanhedrin, uh, that type of stuff, or may have been in the Sanhedrin. I don't know. I don't, but you know, uh, that was where he was headed. And, uh, you know, if you go back, if you go to first Corinthians one twenty one. It says, for since the wisdom of God, for in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was pleased through the foolishness of the message. That's Jesus Christ. That was foolishness to me. How does a guy, how does a guy hanging on a cross and dying reconcile me to God? How does it benefit me? That was 2,000 years ago. You know, how, how does that... How does, you know, I couldn't understand it, but you know, he takes everything in our lives and he allowed me, my circumstances that I caused to beat me down to where I became desperate. I needed something. I needed him. And only through that, you know, I, I be, he began to reveal himself through all the trials and the tribulations that I went into. And finally I said, okay, I can't do this. I've made a mess of my life. Only you can fix it. See, when we when we um, go to God with our own understanding, with our own um, our own our own intellect, basically our own wisdom. Uh, I know a lot of people who have read the Bible, but they read the Bible specifically to be able to for for academic purposes or for for not for gaining a new life, but for gaining an understanding or even 
or possibly like like you're like we said about you, Dave, you, you study the word of God to try to trip people up. A lot of people did that getting to gain their own wisdom coming from it from their own wisdom. I think when when we think about the word of God, we think about when when God uses um, God uses the 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 uh, small things to confound the wise. I think God can move in those situations where where someone might not might not have the intellect to be able to understand things like um, worldly knowledge, worldly academia, but in God with 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 the with trusting God for wisdom. I mean, those people can be they 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 might not be very smart by the by society standards but in god they're they're rich in rich in wisdom because they've gone to god for that for that understanding for that strength for that uh, knowledge and they could be smarter than me in in the wisdom of god and and in the things of god because they've gone to god with that childlike faith to believe and i think it's important that we 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 put aside our wisdom our our wisdom and try to focus on the wisdom of God, no, no matter what our, uh, no matter what our uh, understanding or, or or mental capacity is. Put aside that earthly wisdom and look at the Word of God for what it is—a living Word, not just a book. When I was a young man in my uh, home church, we had a, a, I had a friend, and he was probably five to seven years older than me, and he struggled in school. And he had a lot of difficulty in education. So what I'm saying is he would he would not have been known as a scholar. And he did not uh he was not raised in a Christian home, but somehow as a young teenager, Jesus came to him and he, he became a follower of Jesus and he just devoured the word of God. He loved Jesus, and you could just see it all over him. And you could see his love and his passion that he had for the Lord. But not only did he love Jesus, but the Bible. He read the Bible constantly. It was one. It was cool to see his Bible because it was all. It looked. It wasn't a Bible that looked so clean and nice. It was a Bible that you could tell he has devoured that Bible. He would read it and memorize the Bible, and he did a powerful thing. And and he was such a great inspiration. He would be the perfect testimony of what Paul is saying in First Corinthians chapter two. And I can tell you something. He was a powerful time. He comes up to me one Wednesday night, and it was the beginning when I'm struggling uh, for going into the ministry. And he was one of the guys that God used to confirm the call that the Lord had on me in my life. See, I was 17 years old. And I was feeling the call of the Lord. I was I was just asking God, what does he want me to do? Does he want me to be a plumber? Does he want me to be an electrician? Does he want me to be a business? See, I wanted to be a businessman. But my dad had challenged us to always pray while you're making a career choice to ask the Lord what he wants us to do. And so I, I followed my dad's direction. He directed us to do that. I'm 17. And I'm sensing the Holy Spirit is calling me to be in the ministry. If you have to know something about me, I was extremely shy and I was not a good student in school. I was not a good student in school. At time I struggled myself. Um, when I was a young child and going through school, my parents didn't even know if I would graduate from high school. And I was able to, uh, to learn and, and they took me down to the altar on church on Sunday. I'll never forget it. Uh, Pastor Jack Hembry 
Um, they laid hands upon my head and asked God to open up my mind so that I could understand. And the Lord opened up my mind. I believe it was an answered prayer. My parents were praying for me that. And I was able to learn and I was able to grow. But I'm telling you what, I still struggled. And so when the Lord was calling me to be a minister, reading was not exactly a high priority in my life. If you understand what I'm saying, I read the sports page and I read the comics and that's about it. And uh, I can tell you how many books I read in high school. I, by the time I graduated from high school, I read Huckleberry Finn. That was one of the books I read. And that's about it. That's all I can remember. See, reading was, I, I, I was a terrible reader. And so when the Lord called me to be a minister, but see, I had a, a desire to do God's will. But I wanted to be a business person. And, uh, but I had a desire to do God's will. So I'm 17 and I'm praying. And I hear the Holy Spirit. I think I hear the Holy Spirit. To be honest, I think I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to be a minister. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm definitely serious. I do not want to do that. More than that, I don't feel qualified to do that. And pastors have to read. Pastors have to write. I didn't have the skills that it would take to be a pastor. And, but I went to Illinois District has a it's called discipleship camp. So I'm 17 years old, about to graduate from high school, about to try to choose my vocation. I go to a discipleship camp that summer, and I uh, was trying to decide and to discern the will of the Lord and then the other part to do it. Well, during that time of camp, the times of prayer, and I really felt like the Lord was calling me to be a minister. Now, the same thing is, is I hadn't told anyone. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell any of them. And there's a couple confirmations but I, that happened in my life that confirmed this later on. And I, I don't think, I think that's how God works. He spoke to me first and then he confirmed it through others. But Don was one of those that the Lord confirmed. And see, I believe in the gifts. I believe the gifts of prophecy. I believe the gifts of, of knowledge and, and wisdom. And one of the men in our church, we were at a prayer meeting on a Friday night and I went with my parents at their house and he gave me a word, and then the word was right on, and and I knew that that was for me, and I knew exactly what he said was a word from the Holy Spirit from right then. But uh, you know we're young and we're kind of hard headed sometimes, and and so his name was John, and so then later we come, two weeks later this this young man I don't want to mention his name because. Uh, the fact that we're talking about the, the academic standards. I don't mind people knowing that's part of my testimony. I've graduated from college, got a master's degree now. What I'm saying is uh, the Lord has opened my mind up and he's helped me a lot. But on a Wednesday night after church, I'm out in the parking lot. And this young brother, young, young brother, but a man of God. He comes up and he talks to me on, right by his car. He says, hey, Randy, I need to talk to you for a second. And he says, uh, God's calling you into the ministry. And God's doing this and this and this. And he started naming everything that the Lord has been speaking to me in my heart. 
that's why I'm saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, see, this man knew God and he was hearing from the Holy Spirit. He had saturated his mind and his spirit with the word of God. The world would say, don't listen to him. But brother, I am telling you, I listened to every word because I knew God was using him and that this was a man who knew God. That's why I love the fact that here, when Paul says, I'm obligated to the Greek, when I'm obligated to this world, when, when he says, when I'm, when he says, I'm here, that this is a revelation, not for the, the intellectual, but it's a revelation that comes for all the intellectuals and also the simplified in mind. I'm telling you what, isn't God good? It's for all people to come into his kingdom. God's wonderful. He, uh, back in 2016, when I was, uh, it was actually, excuse me, it was 2014. I was uh, extremely suicidal. I was struggling with depression. I mean, deep, deep depression. Um, and that was where, that was at the point, at that bottom, that Christ took hold of me. And as I began to grow in this, <clears throat> my oldest daughter, who at the time lived in Denver, um, her, we talked almost, we talked every day. She had a front row seat of the process of regeneration. She saw a man go from being spiritually dead to being resurrected in the spirit and still marvels at it today. She mocks it quite a bit, but she still marvels at it. But, you know, and she told me, she says, Dad, you told me that religion and God was for the feeble-minded. I mean, I told her that many times, you know. <laughs> and I remember it struck me. I said, well, I guess I'm feeble-minded. Because I, and I realized, you know, all my best plans, where'd they get me? All my, all my studying the Bible, all my pursuing, all my trying to trip Christians up and everything else, what'd it get me? It brought me to the place, brought me to the brink of suicide. It brought me to deep, deep depression constantly, you know, and I realized, wow, I'm a very feeble minded and I'm not very, I'm not as wise as I thought. And within a couple of weeks, this verse was revealed to me. It's, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches their wise, catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. 